This is episode 20 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm Anna Holden, a professional intuitive and energy healer. I help highly sensitive people dig into the shadows of their soul to access their gifts, reclaim their purpose, and get intimate with their ultimate truth. I also teach intuitive development and mentor emerging healers through my Sacred Rebellion programs. Each week on the podcast, I explore different aspects of living a soulful, sensitive life. I'll bring you stories of other sensitive, creative pioneers, as well as my own thoughts, teachings, and tools. This is not the beginner's guide to sensitivity, but rather the place for sensitive souls to gather up their courage and pioneer their way into a life of personal freedom and spiritual sovereignty. Your sensitivity is sacred. Are you ready to live that way? everyone. Welcome back. It's Anna. You just have me today. And I'm going to start by saying that I am actually recording this podcast outside in my backyard. And so you might hear some things that you don't normally hear. (laughs) There are a lot of birds where I'm at. You might hear some cars drive by. And then also I live a couple of miles from a shooting range. So if you hear some things blowing up in the background that's just your friendly neighborhood hunter practicing his skills I live outside of Seattle Washington and what this means is that I live on the stolen land of the Duwamish tribe and the Puget Sound Salish I think that it's important to to name that for a variety of reasons, but particularly for what I want to talk to you about today. I'm going to cover a variety of themes, but the essence, what I want to drill them down to is this idea of community freedom, community care, and why I'm actually teaching the things that I'm teaching why I'm doing this work in the world. If you live in the United States, you live on stolen land. You live on land that was taken from somebody else. And that, that for a lot of us sensitives can be really, really painful to, to talk about, to think about, to go into. And it can make the personal work that we're doing seem a little frivolous, right? And part of what I'm going to get into today is why, on one hand, yeah, it's frivolous in the way that it has been taught to us, in the way that it has perpetualized this colonial view, this this view of of I do things for me, I do things so that I can own them, um, rather than I do things for the health of the community. And why it's also not frivolous because doing personalized work, as long as it requires a so that 
I do this work so that this next thing happens, that I can do my work in the world, I can support my community. That when we add that component, this personalized work is not frivolous. Before I dive too deep, I want to thank my newest patrons. Thank you, Heidi, so much for your donation. Thank you, Dana, so much for your donation. I appreciate the donations that come in every week. It really demonstrates that you like this work, you like the show, and you want to see it to continue. So if you have the time and you have the availability and the means to donate a couple bucks a month to this podcast, it makes sure that this podcast is able to continue and it helps to pay for my time in creating it. I do this. I record, edit, publish, everything all on my own. It's just me. And if that uh, donation is not available to you, it's really helpful if you go to iTunes or your favorite podcast app and uh, rate us and leave a review. That helps the podcast be shown to more people um, and helps perpetuate the popularity of the show. So thank you so much for that. Because it's just me, as always, at the end I'll be doing a group oracle. And if you've been following me on Instagram, I'm at sensitivity under slash uncensored. Um, you'll know that sometimes I do what I've been calling daily oracles, where I do a little bit of a, a spirit download into what my listeners and uh, Instagram followers need to hear. And I've been calling them daily oracles, but I need to get really real about something. Um, I'm currently coming off of a bit of burnout um, in my work life, my personal life, and I don't have the bandwidth to do daily oracles. <laughs> so I, I love the oracles and I've gotten great responses from them. So I'm going to continue them, but they're going to be weekly. That's something that I can much more easily commit to um, and make sure that I'm showing up with that for you. Um, if you like the oracle section at the end of this podcast, it would be great if you commented and let me know. I'd love that. All right, let's dig in, shall we? In episode three, I believe, two or three, I think it was two, in episode two, I took about 45 minutes to an hour to describe my mission. Why am I doing this? Why does Sensitivity Uncensored exist? Why am I a psychic working with highly sensitive people? And the reason is that I believe that those of us gifted with highly sensitive nervous systems have a really important place on the planet. And when I say that we have an important place, I don't mean to say that other people don't have their own important significant place. I'm not trying to create an us versus them. I'm simply trying to create a focus for what you as a listener, as a sensitive, empath, intuitive, go through. So I'm creating a focus rather than a separation. But I believe that as sensitives have a really important place on this planet in terms of our ability to read into everyday humanity to really see between the lines, to be able to speak to what others are not willing to speak to or can't see, and, and in doing that, increase our capacity for connection, 
love, and honestly, I believe a, uh, a rise in consciousness. I am one of those people who believes that humans need to evolve their consciousness and believe that we are. And whether or not you believe that, fine, no big deal. I believe that, and I believe that sensitive, intuitive empaths have an important role to play. Personal development work often really calls to those of us who are sensitive, to those of us who are intuitive, because it allows us to escape into that really rich inner world that we inherently have. And within, I know that within my inner world, it's so much fun to have an excuse um, or to have a, you know, to have goals to be able to be there, be able to develop um, the, the parts of myself that are gifted, you know, the parts of me that, that are inherently great at things. <laughs> and, um, and to be able to get to play in that world. And I spent a lot of years doing that. The problem with the personal development and kind of the self-help world, I believe at this time, I think there are lots of problems with it actually. Um, one being that you're always enough no matter where you are along that journey. You don't need to lose 10 pounds or meditate for 10 minutes or you know whatever to be able to be enough. You're enough as you are, that's one of the problems. But the problem that I want to talk about today is that this hyper-independent uh, focus, personal development, right? This focus on the personal and this idea, this kind of very, high, like, I'll call it a high, this I'm using quotes here, kind of a high vibration spiritual idea that if you just work on yourself, if you just sit in your home and you work on yourself, the world becomes a better place. I think that that is true and not true, okay? I think that, yeah, absolutely, as you work on yourself, as you raise your vibration, as you dismantle and get rid of belief systems that keep you limited, you create uh, more space and permission in the world for others to do the same. You can become um, a tuning fork of sorts, right? And then when you interact with people, you know, they'll, they'll notice that something is different about you and they'll want to be, you know, kind of where you're at. And it's this really lovely, um, it can be this really lovely um, exchange. However, in, in these spiritual communities, it often stops there. You know, it, it, it kind of says, well, that's enough. Like, that's all you have to do and that's enough. I don't think it's enough. I think that we have to use not just our upper chakras, not just our spiritual adeptness. We need to use our voice. We need to use our heart. We need to use our creativity. We need to use our humanity in order to connect with others and in order to, um, you know, really use the tools of personal development and what they offer us, which I think is an ability to become more aware of that which we haven't been aware of, right? I mean, if we're really to distill down what so many of the personal development practices do, you know, mindfulness, meditation, yoga, um, you know, all the tools that I teach, what do they do? They help us bring awareness, bring consciousness to where there hasn't, where it hasn't been before. 
In other words, they help us have a more finely tuned discernment. And that discernment in the beginning, what I teach for, for empaths and sensitives is we're going to have a greater discernment between what's, what's ours, like what, you know, what is our emotions, what's ours to solve and what somebody else's. Right, so that, that's how that discernment works on a personal level, I b- believe, like really in the beginning, and hopefully only the beginning of personal development practices. But the truth is that we are not separate, right? Personal development, this is where I think that it falls short, is that it often fails to, it, it often really gives us a sense of recognition as, as individual beings. This is my auric system. This is my personal system. This is my subtle body. I'm going to learn to engage with my subtle body, which is important. And your auric body, your subtle body, your energy body, your space is always in communication with everything around it. That's why people come to me in the first place. Oh my gosh, I can't shut it off. I'm so overwhelmed all the time. Oh my gosh, I'm taking on everybody's emotions. Oh my gosh, I am sick at the end of the day of my massage practice, my Reiki practice, you know, whatever it is. So, so we, you, they come, you come, and this is why I came to this work, with this, this recognition of I am not separate And I really need to learn how to become separate. And the first step is learning. Where do I stop? Where does everybody else begin? Because, and here's the big why, if I am to be effective in this world, I can't be overwhelmed all the time. You know, if I'm to be effective as a highly sensitive teacher of intuitive skills, I can't be in burnout. I can't be taking on all the stuff of the world. I need to be effectively working within it, but I can't be overwhelmed by it. I can't be steamrolled by it. Okay? So when so so my belief is that this personal development work, yes, you're going to learn where your boundaries are. You're going to learn Um, You need to learn how to bring awareness to the parts of you that have been, where you've been unconscious, where you've been unaware, and that that's going to be a process that continues. And at some point, this is all so that you are able to interact with your community with greater capacity, greater resiliency. might have been episode three or four, I think three. Sorry, I don't, I'm in the backyard. I don't have my computer in front of me. I talked to Suki Baxter. And one thing that she mentioned, you know, we talked a lot about taking up space. And one thing I believe she mentioned in passing, and I'm going to share this because Suki's a friend of mine, is that uh, Suki has a horse named Shelby. And she adopted Shelby. Shelby is a wild Mustang. And she has a I'm going to send you to Suki for this information, but uh, I'm going to pause here because there's a truck going by. (laughs) Um, Shelby was adopted. Shelby was a wild horse. 
who was slated to be either put up for adoption or put down because there's a wild horse population. It, in my understanding, there's a wild horse population that is, is kind of unsustainable. The land that they have available isn't, um, can't sustain all these wild horses. So I got a text from Suki one day that said, uh, I think I accidentally adopted a wild Mustang. <laughs> I was like, cool. I think I accidentally got pregnant. Um, so we have that. And um, for the last almost two years, Suki has been working with Shelby in a process that you know we, we're calling gentling. She gentles this horse. She's not breaking this horse in, but she wants to prepare Shelby so that eventually they can ride together. And the way that she explains this is that it's such, it's working with Shelby every day is such a reflection of where Suki's personal space, nervous system, subtle body, energy body is at that day. Because while we have as humans all these social norms around, you know, not really pointing out when we can tell someone is having a really hard week, you know, unless we know that person really well, we're just like not going to say anything like, whoa, you look rough, you know, horses don't have that. So Suki's noticed that when she approaches Shelby and she's like carrying some shit she hasn't dealt with, her nervous system's not all the way calm, you know, Shelby's going to respond to that because Shelby is responding to Suki's whole system. She is in communication with Shelby's system at all times. And horses are, are known for this work, you know, they're known for being able to therapeutically help humans because of their ability to do this, because of their, their extreme sensitivity and ability to pick up on what we are reflecting in our nervous systems. But just because us humans don't necessarily always recognize this doesn't mean it's not happening. It is happening. And when you get a couple of highly sensitive empaths in a room, you know, you know that this is happening, right? Because you're responding to what's behind that. You know, I was having a, a, a conversation with my uh, co-creator of my membership group, of, or our membership group, the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion. And she was saying, I just feel like there's something else here. There's just something else that needs to be talked about before I can leave. And she was right, there was. And it's just like one of those things that I was kind of hesitating, but she noticed like, hey, there's something else here. There's something else. But really why I get into this, um, uh, this concept is because we cannot have true personal liberation. Like, you know, a lot of times we, we get into this work because it's like, okay, if I get personally free, then I am free. And like, that's, that's great. But we cannot actually be personally free if everybody else isn't free. And here's how I'm experiencing that right now. Here are the ways that I'm experiencing that. As, as my awareness grows and my discernment grows, I'm always becoming aware of the things that I wasn't aware of before. So I cognitively knew, right, that I'm living on Native American land. Right? I cognitively knew that. But it's just been, oh, in the last several months that I became viscerally, systematically aware that I'm living on stolen land. And that awareness has shown me, 
you know, that awareness that I'm a colonizer shows me that I'm not free because those people are not free. Native people aren't free. And I'm right now involved in a lot of spaces where I'm looking at the effects of patriarchy, of white supremacy, of capitalism, of, of these different systems that we have in place that are really created to keep um, a certain norm powerful, a certain um, type of people empowered and powerful, and, and um, inherently then keep another, keep others, <laughs> like literally like the othered, those who don't fit that norm down, and that the system relies on that. And so as I become aware of that, as I become aware of the ways in which my unconscious, the way that I unconsciously hold up these systems, as I become aware of that, I recognize my personal freedom means diddly squat. If I truly am, you know, want to be part of this human community and want to be part of raising human consciousness, then I need to be able to look at human suffering and I need to be able to look at the ways in which, um, yeah, the ways in which I'm complicit in these systems. And that's just one of the things that shows me that like, wow, you know, I'm not free because I'm not free of these systems. You're not free of these systems. And the people that they most affect are not free of the systems. And, and, and more directly, some of the direct ways that I uphold these systems, these systems of patriarchy and capitalism and white supremacy, means that the people that they oppress the biracial indigenous people of color have less access to this personal work than I do. And so if I'm really here, you know, if I'm really here and really believe in this, um, you know, raising of consciousness and freedom, then I cannot be free until I work to dismantle these, um, uh, dismantle these um, oppressive systems and work in my community to create more freedom all around. So that's kind of a, a long but I think important um, way of saying that personal freedom needs to include or, or rather personal development work needs to include a so that. I am doing this work for me and so that. I can engage in this way that I want to engage in, right? So that I can be of service to my community. So that, so that. All right, shifting gears a little bit. When I used to teach yoga, and I don't teach yoga anymore, and that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but when I used to teach yoga, something that people would say a lot is like, you know, new prospective students would say, oh, I can't, I can't do yoga, I'm not flexible. You know, I kind of look at them and be like, well, isn't that kind of part of the point of coming to yoga, right? To stretch your body, become more flexible. And a lot of times people will say to me, well, I can't, um, I can't take intuitive development because I'm not intuitive. You know, and I, I'm kind of like scratching my head at that one. It's like, and, and I think that there's, um, 
been this way in the spiritual communities around intuition and psychic development and um, and those sorts of things that um, ha has made these practices out to be mystical and mystical meaning like otherworldly so maybe I shouldn't have used mystical, but um, ha have made these practices out to be something that is um, beyond what the human body can do. That's something that you're either kind of born gifted with or not. And I would really like to dispel that myth. Um, I really don't believe that. I don't believe that intuitive psychic skills are anything supernatural or otherworldly. I really, really don't. Um, I like to think of it like, um, I think about like athleticism. So let's think about like Olympic sprinters, just as a random example. Those of us who are able-bodied can, can walk um, and maybe even run, right? Um, doesn't mean that all of us are going to be Olympic sprinters. Those who are there probably have some kind of natural knack, you know? Um, for being able to, to sprint, you know, they just kind of have that extra something, um, both within, you know, maybe their, their, um, their physiology and then their, you know, mental stamina, you know, in order to, to train, something like that. So, so they might be a little bit gifted in that area, but it doesn't mean that, like, you know, barring any phys like real physical limitations, that I couldn't also run a sprint race, you know, in my own way at the back of the pack, <laughs> right? That's how I think that these psychic intuitive gifts are as well. This is what I think they are. Now, you'll see uh, on my new website coming out here, hopefully in a few months, I'm trying to get everything together for it. You'll see that I, I do believe that sensitivity and high sensitivity is kind of like the body's invitation to be intuitive or to utilize intuitive gifts. And I've said this in a podcast before where I kind of think that sensitivity is like being born with your subtle sense organs open, like your subtle sense organs or channels are just open. And um, that creates uh, an invitation and sometimes really a necessity, I believe, to learn um, how to work with the subtle body and how to uh, quote unquote be intuitive. I think of it more like sensitivity strength training or something, you know, it's like really what you're learning to do is be able to control the channels, be able to understand what's coming through these subtle sense channels, be able to interpret that information and then decide what to do with it. So again, even this work, this work of, of utilizing these, these tools is still, I think, a discernment. It's still about discernment. It's being able to have a greater level of discernment in all this extra information that sensitives and empaths and psychics are taking in. So when I give readings, you know, I give psychic readings, I'm primarily a clairvoyant. I, I would say I'm probably, I don't know, maybe 75% clairvoyant. And I think the rest is a mixture of, I'd say it's then maybe more claircognizance. Um, and I use a little bit of clairsentience as well, feeling. I don't think that this is, uh, this is anything um, supernatural. I really believe that it's a way that I've learned to 
more acutely use my empathy, right? I've said this before, that sensitivity is kind of the key to empathy, right? Being able to, to kind of see what's going on in a situation or, or sense what's going on in a situation and then kind of respond um, appropriately, you know, respond to the environment. One of the definitions of sensitivity is an organism's ability to respond to its environment. So you first have to be aware of what's going on and then respond to that. Sensitivity is kind of like the doorway to empathy. It's kind of, I mean, I shouldn't say it is empathy because I think empathy is also a practice we build, but sensitivity is what allows it to be built. You know, it's like the foundation. We have to become sensitive. We have to, we have to be able to feel in and sense in rather than letting our, our programs, our mind, our desire to fix things come first, right? That's how, how we practice empathy. And so, you know, when I'm doing a clairvoyant reading, I believe that part of what I'm, a huge part, the majority of the part of what I'm doing is utilizing my finely tuned subtle sense organs um, to be able to read what's happening in your personal space, to be able to access the stuff that is inherent within you. And, you know, people, this is the, 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 the biggest thing that I get when I do readings is how validating they are. Like, oh, I knew that, or like, yeah, like that was just under the surface. And you've seen and you may have heard in some of the live readings that I've done on air, how it's like, yeah, yeah, that was under the surface. I just didn't tell you. It's like, well, yeah, like, you know, kind of like my friend Heidi said the other day, like there's something else there. What is it? And, and my ability, um, my learned clairvoyance was really just a language, just a language um, or a system to understand how to interpret the information coming through that subtle channel. So I believe that everyone can learn to do this. I think that some people will be naturally more gifted in certain areas than others. Just like somebody else can like run an Olympic sprint race and I would not be able to do that very well. <laughs> I could give it my best and not be great at it, but I could do it. Right? And I see that similarly also within all of the different um, intuitive channels. So um, being able to see, so clairvoyance, being able to sense, clairs clairsentience, or feel, um, being able to know, claircognizance, uh, being able to hear, clairaudience. And I don't know what it's called, but there's one for clear, like smelling too. It's not very common, uh, but I was talking about it with a student the other day. I think that we can all learn to do these. I know that for me, like the clairaudient part is to me kind of like running an Olympic sprint race. Like I'm not that great at it. I can help others learn how to develop it because I can see what's going on, but that's not one that I'm really strong in. Um, and that's okay because the others really work well for me. And that's what's really fun about um, the School for Sacred Rebellion, which has just kind of launched its first class, is that it is uh, an exploration in developing all of the different clairs. And, you know, it, I keep my class sizes really small because 
there's a lot of personal attention and help in, you know, what are you best at and how are these different clairs um, going to work best for you. So going back to what we were talking about earlier, the mission of Sensitivity Uncensored and doing personal work so that, right, so that we can go out in the world and do this thing, do this thing that we want to do, connect with our communities, that sort of a thing. Mm. I think that it is really important in the beginning, well, not even just in the beginning, honestly, through all of this work, to have a safe and sacred space where you can come together with other people doing this work. It's so important. You know, highly sensitive people being only 20% of the population, we can feel like there is so many degrees, there are so many degrees of separation between us and like the next highly sensitive person, right? It can feel like we're really, really spread out on this earth. And so we can feel very isolated in this work. And I think that it, you know, as we start the process of personal development in whichever you know, way we decide to go, and then later as we start to work on the so that part, that we have a place of other people who are working on the same thing so that we can come back and be like, wow, that really didn't work for me today. Or like, wow, you know, I'm having a really big, growth period right now like my shit is just all up and I could really use some help you know or hey have any of you run into this or even like I'm feeling fantastic today you know I just really want to share that with somebody who gets it like I've had really clear discernment today and I just want to shout that to the rooftops because it's such a great achievement but I think we need this place you know I wish that I would have had this place geez forever like all of the time. <laughs> um, and, and, and where I'm kind of recognizing this um, in my life personally right now is, again, like I said, I'm doing, trying to do some personal work around dismantling these systems of oppression. And um, I'm in spaces that are mixed with white people and um, biracial indigenous and people of color. And <clears throat> in terms of like the trajectory of um, let's, say, let's say for the sake of saying it that le- learning is linear. It's not, but like, let's just say, let's pretend that it is. You know, the, the people who are not white in that space are so far ahead of where I'm at when it comes to this because, the, you know, they have been living in this place of seeing how these systems of oppression harm them. And the, the, the way that I kind of relate to that is through the system of sexism, where I understand pretty acutely where that system harms me. Um, but, but in these spaces where there's lots of, you know, it's a very mixed race space, I really am feeling um, challenged by that, challenged that I feel so far behind, challenged that I'm quote, a nice white lady who's still perpetuating um, racism in ways that I am still unconscious to. And it would be really helpful to have another group of white women doing this work where I could be like, yeah, that thing that that awesome woman of color said, I don't get it. And I'm really trying to, and I get kind of angry, and I know I probably, I'm not sure if I should be angry, and I just, I could really use some help. 
And similarly, you know, when I was going through all this, all of my kind of, um, you could call it my psychic awakening, um, I had one other person who, like, we were it. Like, we were the group at that time, she and I. Um, And then when that friendship, that cycle came to an end, I was on my own again. Would have been really, really nice to have a group that was supportive through all of that. So I just want to name that I think it's important to get connected with people who are going through similar things as you, particularly if you're listening to this podcast, sensitives, empaths, and intuitives who are, uh, you know, working on personal development so that they can do something bigger. And that's where I'm going to make kind of a shameless plug here for my membership group, the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion. I'll just talk about it for a second here. We opened this group in January, so it's been going for, you know, strong for four months. And when I say going strong, I mean really strong. I have never been um, part of a group that was this engaged uh, and supportive and fun. We have fun. You know, we sing, (laughs) we end up... You know, some people come on there and sing songs about sensitivity. We have daily check-ins. We create secret uh, handshakes. And everyone is just so, so wonderful. Um, I have just been honored to be to be part of it. And Heidi and I, who co-create this space, really feel ourselves, you know, guides and participants. We're not really teachers or leaders. We're just kind of saying, hey, we, we want this space. And, you know, we're maybe a few steps ahead of you on this path. And so we have these things to offer. But, like, do you want to come and play with us? Um, and it's been such a fantastic, fantastic place. And something that I teach, uh, that we teach twice a year in the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion as part of your membership is uh, my, what was my flagship course, Sensitive Self-Defense. And these are basic tools uh, to teach you how to manage those sensitive, subtle, open channels that you have. They teach you how to name them, to recognize them, to understand where you begin and the world ends and vice versa, to learn how to have greater discernment between all of that, to know how to utilize energy and nature to get fortified, to get supported, and how to use amusement as a tool. (laughs) We don't talk about that a lot in spaces, but how to use amusement as a tool. And we just finished this first round of sensitive self-defense. And I'm, you know, ever since I've taught this, I've been blown away at the response, but people really feeling like the tools are improving their lives. And, um, you know, it is a really, really great day for me if I can help one highly sensitive person feel more at home in their body. That, that's why I get up. That would be a win for me. I mean, that's, you know, really what all of my work is geared to. And so from that, once you've taken the sensitive self-defense class within the refuge, and it's taught twice a year, and and the the videos and the audio meditations are there all the time, so you can access any of the recordings at any time, then you're eligible to jump into the School for Sacred Rebellion. And this is where um, we dive into developing clairvoyance, claircognizance, clairsentience, 
clear audience. And then we finish up with what I am calling an, um, a mentorship, an integration mentorship to help you figure out how you want to utilize this in the world. And if it's just for you and you don't want the mentorship, fine. But if you want to incorporate it in your massage practice, you want to incorporate it in your physical therapy practice or your um, Reiki practice or your Kundalini yoga practice or your you know, naturopathic practice, I help you out to fi figure out how to do that. And the people have been going who have been going through the course with you will also help you in that. And um, that's coming up here. We're starting that first section. And so you're, you know, those of you listening might not be eligible this time, but I just want you to know that the refuge exists and there's a lot of resources there and we have a lot of fun. So if you're curious, you can um, hop over to my website, sensitivityuncensored.com. And I believe it's forward slash uh, refuge underscore or refuge dash sacred dash rebellion. I'll put a link in the show notes. And that kind of leads into the next thing that I want to talk to before I start to wrap this up. Which is that if you want to live in a world that is more accepting of sensitivity, if you want to live in a world where sensitivity and intuition are respected, you know, respected, where, where they're respected just as much as a nine-to-five job and, like, you know, financial success, right? Or where, like, in intuitive ways of knowing um, and caring for yourself and for your body are respected just as much as getting up every day and going to the gym and working nine-to-five and studying something, you know, the, the pushing, Right? That's respected a lot in our culture. I would like the other way to be respected too. And so if you want to live in a world like this, that means we need collective freedom. That, mean, that means we need to work together as a collective. And it means that you need to have a place and a voice, some sort of voice, even if that's your own practice, even if it's a Facebook post within your community. And that means you do need some of the personal work to become more and more aware and have greater and greater discernment over yourself and over where um, these systems of oppression that are actually oppressing the sensitive, right? Where they can be worked on, where they can be dismantled. And so this is where I'm going to say that sensitivity and living in and wanting to create a sensitive culture is a feminist issue. It's an intersectional feminist issue. And when I say intersectional feminist, don't freak out if you're not sure what that means. It basically means, so let's break it down. So feminism really just means that everybody is seen, treated as equals regardless of gender. And then the intersectional piece means that we don't just focus on gender, but we bring all of our intersecting identities into the mix. So all of our intersecting identities might be um, 
queer gendered, might be um, white, might be black, might be biracial, might be um, wealthy, might be poor, might be all of those things that are part of our identities. We bring those to the table um, as well because of, um, feminism without intersectionality basically means like now white women come to the front, which is not what we want either, right? We want collective freedom. And so if we, um, if we really want to live in a world that, that respects sensitivity, we need to break down these systems of oppression. And the movement that's doing that is intersectional feminism. And so this is a, this is a feminist issue. Right? This, this, is, this is an issue of equality. This is an issue of not just equality for people, but equality for what we value as communities. And I'm tying this back to the personal, um, you know, the personal growth industry and the, and the kind of the new age spiritual industry because we can't create a place, a world where we, we're able to change what we all focus on unless we, who are doing the personal work, get out in the community, right? get out in the world. So as you're listening to this, you might be asking yourself, well, what do I do? <laughs> this is great, Anna, but what do I do? It's a super fair question. I ask that all the time. And I'm going to share uh, what I learned from a woman who's acting as a teacher for me right now, Andrea Renee, and something that she, that she said today that I think is perfect for sharing with you what to do. Get really clear about what is present for you. What is present for you? So we've talked about this continuum of personal work, increasing our sensitivity, strengthening our intuitive channels so that we can do our work in the world. We can affect our communities. We can show up differently and you know, communicate with our subtle body and our physical body in different ways with the world. Right, so get, get present for what is there for you right now. What are, what are the needs? What's the desires? You know, and where are you on that scale? I mean, if that's a spectrum, where are you? Like, what is present? And then the next step would be to clarify, well, what's your vision? What is your so that? What is that for you? What is your vision? And once that's clear, you can look at, well, what are the challenges that are in the way? What is keeping me from having my vision? What's between my present state and my vision? Do I need more tools? Do I need education? Do I need a place of like-minded people? What do I need? And then from there, you can look at experiments and strategies and solutions to help you move closer to that vision, right? This is such a clarifying practice, I think. So what's present? What's the vision? What are the challenges? What's in the way? What can I try to, you know, reduce that space between the present and the vision? 
The refuge for sacred rebellion is taking all of you. All of you who have been told you are too much, you are too sensitive, you are too weird. We want you. We want you to come and play with us. We have so much fun in the refuge. I think I'm going to finish there for today. Partially because I'm out of things to say. Partially because I think I'm getting sunburned on this little mini summer that we're having in Seattle. Tomorrow it's supposed to be cold and rainy again, so I'm, I'm going to soak it in. <laughs> and I hope wherever you are, you are enjoying your day. Let's move into the oracle. So if you formulated a question, concern, or something in the beginning, you can bring that back up. Or if you need a couple of minutes, well, I'm not going to give you a couple of minutes, but if you need a couple of seconds to formulate your question, your concern, something that you need some guidance on, go ahead. I'll take some time to pause right now. There's a difference between fault and responsibility. That thing that you're struggling with might not be your fault, but it might be your responsibility to fix. This is where your discernment comes in. Use the tools that you have. Find some new ones if you need to to get a little bit more clear on where the work is here. I can see where the grass seems a little greener if you were to just be able to get out. But the work is not out. The work is on finding a way in to stay in it, even if it's mucky, even if it's icky be in the muck because that wet wet muck the fertile soil for something really beautiful to sprout for information on everything shared here including show notes and links visit www.sensitivityuncensored.com forward slash soul of sensitivity